great. There's some, there's some outstanding questions. Okay. And by that I mean they stand out. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby. And this week's movie is Iron Man 2, aka Time for Abby to Torture Frida, Part 4. <coughs> Sorry, I felt that sneeze coming on as I was doing the intro. My nose, I, I felt it. Where did that come from? Out of the blue sky. Iron Man 2. <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh. Look at you trying to avoid a story about Marvel. Okay, fine. All right, what's what's your what's your science news this week? Okay, I went to a workshop about training to be a supervisor, and uh, it was all on Zoom. And uh, the lady, uh, now you got a tea delivery. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I saw it's you, the magic tea fairy. It's coffee. You you. Oh. You saw it before I saw it. It's like a horror. It's like this could have been a horror movie. This would have been great. <laughs> that was so funny. Sorry, sorry. Keep it in. Keep it in. Hi. Classic. Amazing. Great. So my story was that yeah. I was in a supervisor workshop. Um, would train, you know, so a, a lot of early career researchers. Um, doing the supervisor training so we can become supervisors. Yay, formally. Yay. Yay. And there was this one guy there that was much older and he had a million questions. And his first question was more of a, I've had 17 years at this place and 27 years at that place. Like, <laughs> sir, what's the question? But the best part came <laughs> when we had like one of the first speakers we had was like professor of XYZ talking about mental mm-hmm. health of uh, candidates which is not, we don't say student anymore, it's PhD candidate. And um, he put his hand up and there was one point where he put his hand up and he couldn't put it down. He accidentally put clapping up instead. So he had like his hand and his clapping, very cute. But what he said, and he's like, okay, what's your question? And he's like, look, this word anxiety, honestly, I don't really get it. I don't really understand what people are saying when they say anxiety. And she was like, well, it's a documented medical condition. I'll tell you oh what it God. is. Like, but that uh, such a boomer. Wow. What is this nonsense? Nah. What is mental health? I'm fine. <laughs> just give a little fresh air. <laughs> Pull your socks up. It was just, it, it was so funny. Um, and what else about the supervisor training was that, um, first of all, there was one woman that I recognized because when, when I was at the other, other university, I had my son in daycare and her son was in the same daycare and I oh, recognized wow. the same haircut. I was like, you were in the daycare. And then another lady was doing her PhD in jazz and improvisation. So she was almost finished it. And she was in my little breakout room. So it was like five of us in the room. And I knew her because I used to go to hear her at this place I used to call it Jazz Panese. My friend Julia, who I met at Monash Engineering, she was in her PhD, I was in her postdoc, and we became like best ever friends. The first time we ever were brave enough to go out outside of academia and actually be friends, at which point we were like, is this actually a date? Does she think it's a date? I don't know what's going on here, but turns out we just were, we just were like 
you're the best be my friend oh my god but we went to jazz and a place that also sells japanese they bring up the food from the japanese shop downstairs (gasps) so we call it jazzpanese and she has a weekly slot at jazzpanese this lady (laughs) the andrea keller trio and i was like i know you you have a trio she's like yes i used to go at the jazz bar and friends yes so weird supervisor training workshop bore so many fruits wonderful <laughs> i love it i'm so excited for you yeah just she's gonna be the, like that just 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 throwing it out there frida's gonna be the best supervisor very exciting i'm excited so let me do a summary then and we'll we can start talking about this movie shall we uh-huh the iron man suit is a one-man army stark is in control and the world is at peace apparently But while Tony flaunts his wealth and power with a return to the land of the Expo, old debts are lurking in the background. It turns out that he's not the only boy genius around. Howard Stark's old business partner, Anton Vanko, also has a kid with some smarts, and he's about to come looking for payback. Round one doesn't go so well for Vanko, but luckily, Justin Hammer's scent of desperation is sending out take-advantage-of-me vibes. Tony's world starts to crumble and suddenly the privatization of world peace isn't as sexy. I don't like that privatization of world pre- world peace through line. Ooh. Especially coming off the back of what we just recorded. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Capital spiders. <laughs> All right. I meant to. Well, we're going to yeah, we're we're going to talk about that in a little bit the privatization of world peace. But yeah, Iron Man 2, what, how are we feeling? How are we feeling about our fourth Marvel outing, Frida? Mm. Are you still with me? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was so much funnier than the first one, I thought. Well, the first one has its, a lot of merits, but this one, there were some moments where it was almost like postmodern or they were being ironic or just like having fun with it. And there, there, there's such funny things in it that made me honestly just laugh out loud that I appreciated the like – it's like not taking it too seriously maybe and then sometimes too seriously um but i had a i wanted to say that my nephew uh who loves uh he mcu he was uh sitting with me and he's like oh you went to a movie today and i was like what was it and he was like it's the blah of the blah 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 oh my what's that he's like oh it's from mcu i was like fuck mcu and then he was like do you like comics though and i was like no and he's like, well, and I was like, I yeah. get it, but I just resent that it's taken over like 90% of the cinema. And he's like, it's not really for you. It's f- yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh, not yeah. everything is made for you. It you can should have all be the other movies. <laughs> I know you're right. But, uh, There's all those other stuff that I have no interest in. I, I look at the cinema and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And then a Marvel comes out. I'm like, yes, let's go. So did you like, do you like Ready. Iron Man 2? I really enjoyed Iron Man 2. It's not, it's definitely not my favorite. Like, you mm. know, we, we haven't come to my favorites yet. Oh. <laughs> We're on the way. Oof. But it's, you know, I, I really enjoy this one for a number of reasons. Um, I just like, yeah, I think it's really silly. I think it's a bit over the top. Like, I love the whole, like, the World's Fair setup, the characterization of Anko, Hammer and his total yeah. incompetence. I, it's just great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, the um, the characters. Same with Iron Man One. I have to say, is mm. the it's the it's the actors, it's the characters, it's the it's the actors so well in 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 uh, inhabiting inhabiting right. their people. <laughs> yeah, which makes it so fun. It's just fun. Not everybody, but in this case, it's like there's additional yeah. people because it's like Robert Downey Jr. was such a highlight of the first one, and now we have we have Terrence Howard's gone, so. Don Cheadle, and then yes. and yeah. then you've got like all these great characters that are just sort of delicious. Yeah. Let's have a little rundown of some of the cast. Yeah. So let's right first. I just want to talk about returning cast. So mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, John Favreau. Any comments on our returning yeah. cast members? Uh, I thought jo- Robert Downey Jr. was just he upped the ante with the thing, the stuff about his mm. dad. I felt like he just took his um, scope of his character to another level in this one. And, and and Pepper Potts and I loved her scream at the end. I mean, as well, like she took she's continuing her character and taking it other places. When she had that outburst at the end, I was I thought that that was so awesome because I totally agree. I mean, honestly, like in in Spider Man, like when they're Mary Jane and he's like taking her. I mean, at what point does Mary Jane be like enough? This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I, I love that that Gwyneth Paltrow was like, no, fuck this. Not normal. Yeah. Um, so, and then John Favreau, I mean, as a director, can we talk about him here? Or Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah. The man is a sexist. I'm sorry. <gasps> the way he shot Scarlett Johansson was fucking nauseating. And, you know, she doesn't need to get naked. She has to get naked to change into her suit, but Tony Stark doesn't have to get naked. And the way the camera gets, you know, angled behind her curves, just shot just to, so her curves are framing out the shot. I mean... There's no other way to cut it. He's a sexist. And I have to wait for further... I don't want to keep talking about this. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. that's my comment for the movie. Okay. That's fine. That's I fine. assume it gets better with other movies. Yeah. Okay. I can say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's talk about some... Cha- okay. Let's talk about the changes. Uh, so the major change that you mentioned that we have, which just makes me so happy, is that we get to talk about Rhodey, who is now played by Don Cheadle. And we need a fucking amen hallelujah here because I have so much love, so much love for Don Cheadle. And mm. I think he brings a whole new vibe to the character that works so much Absolutely. better. Absolutely. Oh, God. Yeah. Terrence Howard made it so corrupt, the character. Mm. Uh, yeah so yeah this is the thing don Cheadle to me he is humble he's measured he's controlled in all the ways that tony isn't and it makes the distinction between them so clear and the relationship just works yes i agree yeah no argument i i i, <laughs> I did enjoy the I, I did enjoy those scenes the fight scenes with them the the, the one scene just the one i i just thought it was um it was just it was just clever. It was, it was something very clever about the fact that they could allow that level of sort of aggression between them, but you know, they're not being hurt. You know, it was just it was it was mm. it was clever. I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, so let's talk villains. Yes. We have two villains. We do. We've got oh, our we do. Yeah. real villain and our kind of um sideways villain. The real Unintentional villain. villain. Yeah. So the real villain, Mickey Rourke, playing Ivan Vanko, aka Whiplash. Yeah. Who's using who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do we feel about Mickey Rourke? Ah, uh, uh, I, I, 
Loved him. I mean, he had one. He gave some of the funniest moments, I think, of the whole um, film. And uh, funniest, but also uh, his weapons were just just wonderful. The weapon that he had is just fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Did you like? Him? I like. Yeah, I think he's great. I think he's great. I think he's so kind of. I like. You just, you don't learn anything about him. And I kind of love that. Like, there's no, all the, like, villain exposition type stuff comes from Justin Hammer. Vanko is just, like, quiet, working on his stuff. Just wants uh. to get, like, just wants to fuck up Tony. That's that's all he cares mm. about. Like, that's what he cares about. He's not going to explain to you what he's doing. He's just doing it. He's just like, shit, let me do it. Yeah. I like that. I love his software shit was yeah. brilliant and then another moment where he's like i make salute i love that and then when you see them salute and it's just it cracks you up what's like the salute <laughs> i just thought it was just so funny so good excellent and then we have which just makes me really happy or as i said or sideways unintentional <laughs> villain uh, sam rockwell playing justin hammer yeah talk yeah, I got comments on him, but I guess I'll just leave it to the talk about the character. I don't know. Like, well, that's the thing. Yeah, as we'll talk about his character, but I do think Sam Rockwell, just, I just love seeing him. This this to me is what I, so I loved Sam Rockwell in Moon and, and I love him in so many other things in Galaxy Quest. Oh my God. But seeing him in this is really reminiscent to the character that he plays in Charlie's Angels. And I think Charlie's Angels was mm. the first time I ever saw Sam Rockwell in something that I understood like who he was you know that I was paying attention yeah. and just reminded yeah. me of that character he is so good at some subtle thing there which is sort of like uh, all these bits are there the overconfidence and the cockiness but you have such a little edge of incompetence and desperation or just silliness there and it, it's just enough to put an edge on fucking Everything he says and fucking yeah. everything he does is hilarious. And it even reminds me a little bit of Woody Harrelson in Zombieland where you're like, mm. he, played by anybody else, it would just be like the superficial aspects of the character. Why'd he put it in Woody Harrelson? It's like every little look at the end of the look makes it hilarious. And he's just one of those people. It's just a magic. Yeah. Just a magic. <gasps> I love it. So the last new addition then that I want to bring up is the dawning of the uh, the dawning of the age of ScarJo. Black Widow has arrived. Uh, I'm uh-huh. very excited. You are not. That doesn't mean anything to me see. yet because I haven't okay. got perspective on Black Widow. Yeah. How did you feel about Natasha Romanoff? Scar or just Scarlett Johansson? Oh, I aside I just... from the shooting of her. Um. But I just couldn't, I just can't, I just feel bad for Scarlett Johansson that she's just, I just feel bad for her, to be honest. Oh, why can I, I can't feel bad for Scarlett. I just, but I just, like, I just, I just was like, uh, gross. There's and definitely also, an age, there's definitely a, a, an aspect of sexism that was very evident in the early Marvel movies that has been discussed and has openly been discussed with comments that were made as well by cast members even. Yeah. And stuff because it was just, and, and the things that she has had to, like there's many videos out there yeah. of like interviewers asking 
things oh, no, asking her things like oh, should, wear underwear under that but then they're not asking um, that, that's her whole character but it's they're not, not asking Chris yeah. Evans is he wearing underwear under his outfit which his is also skin tight and but he doesn't have the scene where in the back of the car so I'm like I get the journalist should but honestly it's John mm-hmm. Favreau's fault he makes the choice to display her like that and so yeah I, I and and the thing is, I also I know a little bit that maybe the backlash against trying to remove the sexism as well is a thing, right? Like there's backlash from MCU fans, male fans, from resenting the sort of Captain Marvel-esque sort of thing. I don't know. I just think, oh, yeah, well, the Captain Marvel stuff is... that's we'll get to later, but yeah. That, yeah, that has a different... There's other things that happened and there's other okay. things that happened with Brie Larson that, uh, that are brilliant from my perspective, but that piss some fanboys off. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not worried about fanboys having their little whinge attacks. Right, I just right, think right, right. it's just interesting when we talk about. And I think we. I think we'll save this conversation particularly for when we get to Avengers. When we get to, because I think it'll be better. I think it'll be an interesting perspective to be able mm. to compare her to the, uh, everyone else within the same movie and then yeah. make comments on on right, certain right, right. aspects. I'll give uh, but, the chance that that this will evolve. Like I watched it yeah. and I was like. I hope this evolves. This isn't good enough. Um, this is sexist. This is upsetting. Um, the world is more than just the perspective of men that want to look at women that way. And yeah. uh, the assumption of the person behind the lens, that that's what everyone wants to see, is just right. wrong. It's not true. And uh, I can appreciate her character from other yeah. angles if it was if it gave the character a chance to be seen as something other than that. But, you okay. know... Okay, so do you have any uh, moments, favorite bits, or any particular stuff that you would like to highlight before we get more into the movie? Uh, no, I have it. everything I want to talk about is put in convenient places. All right, so let's get into the themes of Iron Man 2 then. And in terms of the themes, I don't actually have much to say. Uh, but it's because I everything I actually try to write down is heavily connected to the character development of Tony Stark. So I kind of want to keep that for a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But there is one line that Vanko has in the movie that I think pretty much sums it up for me. And that is, if you can make God bleed, then people will cease to believe in him. Oh, yeah. And I kind of feel like that's just the central idea of the movie yeah Pun- if you can make people punching. question yeah punching yeah. a hole in the image yeah totally make people question exactly yes they, it's, it's what they believe yeah um and there's a three line of fathers and sons obviously yeah yeah um so yeah so we'll save a little bit more of that chat for the for the tony stark chat in a in a minute mm-hmm. uh so we are moving straight into our first main section Trope of the week. week. (laughs) Where we never, ever, ever bothered to like come up with a jingle for it or anything like that. We just always act like there is one. (laughs) Welcome. What's your trip of the week? I have two tropes of of the week. (gasps) Ooh. Okay, give me go on, give me one. Um just go down to my my section. Where are you, tropes? Oh, so the first one is the plot armor trope, where a character, because of his involvement, his or her involvement in the plot, can't be hurt, has armor. 
and um, hmm. that it would, would be highlighted in the Grand Prix scene where, uh, you know, Anton or whatever, Venko, son, or he, um, yeah, like doesn't kill or maim Tony. Like everybody yeah. else is like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. but of course with the main character has the plot armor, uh, you know, it doesn't get hurt. So that's my first trope. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, my trope is, uh, I'll give you mine and then we can have your yeah. second one. My my trope is laser to crotch. <laughs> That's all. Stuff to crotch. Just laser to crotch. Laser classic. To, yeah. It is a classic. <laughs> God, if there's going to be some lasers, you got to have a laser to crotch. And it's in that Grand Prix scene as well when he's just there and he like whacks it down and does just that silly little kind of like, whoo. Between the legs. What? <laughs> like, there's many other things you could be concerned about right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, laser to crotch. Cool. It is. That's all I have to say on it. So <laughs> what is your second trope? Um, this is this one. It goes, I think I'll take it. Which one? All of it. Ah. Trope. And I, I hate it's so disingenuous because Don Cheadle says, I think I'll take it. Which one? Mm. All of it. I'm like, gram- grammatically, mm. it doesn't make sense. So oh. you let in. You you went, you said, I think I'll take them. And then he says, yeah. which ones? And he says, all of them. Like, you, I think yeah. I'll take it. Which one? All of it. I just Grammatically, it doesn't make sense. It's like the trope, but actually it's written badly. Mm. Um, shame on you, That's, Justin yeah, Thoreau. Exactly. But honestly, he yeah. could have written Justin Thoreau. He could have written that. And then they could have done the scene so many times. And then the one that worked was the one with the grammatical yeah. error. So. Oh, look at you trying to find a way to make it okay for Justin's throw to have fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, I, I, God knows, like, honestly, the writer writes the thing. Who knows what happens after yeah, that? That's true. <laughs> okay, so we're going into our science section already. Ba-ba-ba. We're doing great. Ba-ba. We're doing such a good job at cutting our rambling down at the beginning. Yeah. The last couple, because we, we're bad. Yeah, you know is, yeah, very true. Okay, science environment. Starting out here, the very first thing that I want to talk about is the Stark Expo. What we're talking about here in the Stark Expo is based on the Universal Exposition, also known as the World's Fair or World Expo. And this has been running for nearly 170 years. It's fucking fascinating Mm. like the size of it the scope of what goes on there and it's exactly like it's described it looks so similar to what's in the movie but there is another reference to what the stark expo is similar to Mm -hmm. well not even the stark expo but the whole storyline of old mr stark's whole prototype city Mm. which is a complete and utter reference to the experiment experimental prototype city of tomorrow stylized as epcot which was i didn't know that's what it stood for experimental prototype city of tomorrow oh that's great (laughs) and it was actually a a planned community that was imagined by disney walt disney himself that he would run it's like an autocratic (laughs) and like all the shops were owned (laughs) by him uh, built on innovation (laughs) and technology basically exactly the same thing and it was never, Amazing. ever realized, but it went on to inspire a Disney theme park, which was then stylized as Epcot. 
And it's oh, sometimes okay. referred to as a permanent world world fair. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I, I had seen that Epcot was a theme park, but I never knew that there was this... Uh, the this thing that it was based on that's amazing i know he wanted to make <gasps> a, so cool. a, his own little I, town because he felt like it was so inefficient in the 60s right. you know especially with with uh, travel and uh, you know it was like not very efficient the way things were mapped out and built so he wanted to make this prototype city where it was just built on the you know greatest in, innovation and technology and it was efficient and uh, oh that's fantastic yeah, and he would rule it as the ruler <laughs> <laughs> it was it's, it's basically well, straight up what what uh good old mr stark was talking about and it's uh, the, and one of the reasons why i enjoy the whole kind of storyline with the with the stark expo and the and the tie back to the world's fair is because it also gives like a nod back to um the captain america movie because and i love a link in captain america steve and bucky go to the world's fair before bucky ships out that's where they go with those two, the two girls that they bring, which turns out to be yeah. um, the Stark Welfare. Uh, Jenna Coleman is one of them. Yeah. So uh, they go to, it's not the Stark Welfare, but actually at the World's Fair, they go to a pavilion that has Stark Industries yes. as a startup company with Howard Stark showing his invention. Yes, for the car, car. The flying car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the, that's the expo. Uh, but at the end of the day, Marvel movies are essentially about weapons and who should have control of them. And we've talked about this in each movie so far. And at the beginning of this movie, we get Tony being called to a Senate hearing. And in this Senate hearing, he claims that he has successfully privatized world peace. Mm. So I was wondering, in terms of uh, as we move through our journey through weaponry um, throughout some of these movies... Who do you think should hold the rights to this advanced weapon technology? I don't know because I think that what Americans use weapons for as a government, <laughs> mm. like, I don't trust them. I feel like in the Senate hearing, to me, it was like echoing sort of American corruption and American imperialism. And I was like, I'm on your side, Tony, your weapons. Like as in with the current state of the world, do I trust the government to carry out world peace? Fuck no. Right. Why should it? Yeah, like why not? Like I kind of was inching towards the stark side of things mm. given what I what we know. It's you? hard though, isn't it? Because like, yeah, you you would think that exactly. I agree with you, but then on the other side of things, I'm also like, if I think about it in a real world context, and the closest person that we have that we can kind of equate in some way to the idea of Tony Stark, and I hate doing it, is Elon Musk. And I don't know if I like the idea of Elon Musk having world oh. peace in his hand. Do you know, yeah, like, well, how do you feel it. about having this individual having world peace in their hands? Mm. So I get why, why one side would think, yeah. I get why there would be an argument between the two sides. And I see each side's point. But then I feel like that so much of what these movies are, it's that it's that story of the person who's in the middle where they're kind of like, okay, well, it's great that you two fuckers are fighting, but I'm the one that affects. <laughs> yeah 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 like, like i think not yes when you when you put it in terms of elon musk <laughs> one person should never have that much power and influence 100 percent. 
Um, yeah. We're fucked in many ways. <laughs> but yeah, one person should not have that much Go the power future. for sure. Yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't be like the fact that it's Tony Stark is like the face of this whole thing, and it's like him. Mm. That's a problem. The ego with that, and the power yeah. hungry, the amount of man he can get away with, like that's not okay either. But but people like him wouldn't rise up if the government. Well, it's not true because the power is like slowly leaks away yeah. from government through lobbyists, through people doing that on purpose to give so much power. But also. They've done a shocking job at climate change, addressing any of the needs of fucking actual human beings. They're worried yeah. about, well, I don't even, I don't want to get into it because it's so yeah, confusing. It's, They're it's, concerned it's about hard. the supply yeah. of oil, which people rely on too. So help yeah. really is my point. Um, yeah, It is. It's a tricky question. It, it was like, I thought it was kind of interesting to just be like, who do we think should, but I just think, yeah, in the context of this, you're you're stuck in a kind of, neither is ideal so but then who knows what the correct answer is Mm -hmm. so there's only one other thing that I want to bring up in our science environment section and that I just want to give a little nod to the notebook that Stark is using at one point and it's his dad's notebook and I just wanted to mention because it shows there's a couple there's the first page that shows some sort of equations and then the second page has some um, drawings and the first page is like it's some sort of field theory and I think it's actually related to Einstein's general relativity theory oh. uh, equation sorry and the second notes it, it's a hypercube but what that is supposed to be is a reference to Howard Stark's work on the Tesseract from Captain America so it's mm-hmm. the the hypercube drawing is relating to the Tesseract so that's just a little very cute so there you go so moving into our scientists we are going to start with a little bit of character development on Tony Stark because in Iron Man he was of course billionaire playboy philanthropist and now we have the Stark who has moved through the the trauma of his capture his development of Iron Man his realization of the corruptness of his own company which has made him oh so noble but also has made him a little bit more arrogant than he was before. Um, uh, and while we go through the story, he is also believes that he is dying due to the toxicity of the core that he is using to protect his heart from the shrapnel, which leads him through a stage of depression and desperation in order to leave his legacy behind. How do you feel about the progression of Stark in the movie? I totally agree with what you're saying that he builds like a different level of arrogance. Mm. Like the fact that he's convinced that he can solve world peace and protect America. I find that like super arrogant. I think he's just an egomaniac. Like the fact that he's super convinced of that is, yeah, it's not right either. Um, But yeah, the humility of knowing that he might die, like that is an important character, um, an important character step. Like knowing that your ego and your smarts can't prolong your life forever as well, even though it does. But um, yeah, it's important for him to see his limits. But yeah, he's just so fucking arrogant. Mm. That's the thing is like, I I like that they did this aspect to him because I like that they didn't just make him like, and now he's good. It was like... Mm. You know, this is what you do if you make someone who believes they have privatized world peace 
they're going to be arrogant about it because they yeah. do still feel like they have the world on their hands but now they also have the the moral upper yeah, hand on worse. everyone else nothing worse than a dickhead yeah. egomaniac thinking he has the moral high ground oh because <laughs> at least before you could judge him and now he's like well did you stop yeah. that piece like, fuck you when, when was the last <laughs> yes. time you helped anybody when was the last time you like stopped and like looked and was nice and kind yeah because he isn't let's move into sam rockwell uh justin yeah. hammer or incompetent yeah. villain business rival to stark <laughs> wannabe playboy charmer in the spotlight but really just a downgraded version of tony <laughs> that might be a bit harsh the shit version of tony stark yeah <laughs> but that's what tony stark only gets away with it because he's good yeah at what he does justin hammer like it's it's a classic case and it, you can see it. It's a classic case of somebody trying to be something they're not. Trying so hard to be like somebody else and they're not pulling it off because you're not being your authentic self. You're just trying to copy what someone else is doing. But you can't... Like Tony, for all of his trash, is being who he is. He has all mm-hmm. of the swagger about him because that's just... That's who he is. He's not putting that on. Justin Hammer yeah. is very much trying to put that on. And like the day, you know, when he does the Stark Expo. Oh my God, it's so awkward. Oh God, come on the gun display. Come on. <laughs> Can I talk about that? Yeah, that's the essence do, of brilliance. That's the essence of his brilliance. <laughs> like he knows how shit he is. Like it, it's the subtlety of how much he knows his shit. But also given the movie before when you saw, you know, Tony Stark sort of just like display yeah. of weapons. And he comes with these like sh- relatively like it's just pulling them out and putting them on a table and trying to talk them up. Knowing that is shit. I fucking loved it. And then and then he's like, I'm sorry, I can't read your faces. It's so shit and he knows it and it's <laughs> I could have watched that scene so many times. I, I sometimes think, does Sam Rockwell like do this on purpose? Do they all realise is this on purpose or is this accident? Like how funny this is. Oh, I, I think he know. does. I th- I think I just think Sam Rockwell is just fucking genius at everything. I so I think he, because there's you can see different <laughs> moments in in Justin Hammer. You see the bit at the end when Hammer really realizes, oh shit, like my desperation is really fucked up. Like he's not a bad guy, mm. and you yeah. know that at the end because he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I don't want to hurt people. But yeah. and I, think, I don't buy that at the end. It just the thing about these movies they go so fucking over the top and so far that I no longer buy everything. At the, yeah. in the, but the third part of the movie, I'm like, whatever. Like I don't buy that. But just you know, enjoy the, it. The build up of the character, <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy. Yeah. Okay. So shall we move into the the science um science yeah. science proper? Great. Science there's proper. Some, there's some outstanding right. questions. Okay. And by that I mean so they stand out. In this version, we get an Iron Man in a suitcase. Now. Yeah. The way that it was handcuffed. Yeah. Yeah. Handcuffed to happy, like as if it was the nuclear football. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it yeah. was uh, delightful. Now, in the movie, the way that it like folds down and unravels into the suit is definitely like Hollywood visuals. But... Something that I do want to bring up is that there is a lot of research happening into origami robots. Uh, yes. Yeah, which are I basically remember. folding robots. Yes. 
They use smart material. They use smart material actuators. So go back to our Iron Man episode if you want to learn a little bit more about actuators to enable folding, allowing for soft body properties. Now, whether it could happen in practice, like it's not something that's going to be happening tomorrow, but it's definitely plausible depending on technological advancement. It is impressive, but there's always something super goofy about it. At the end of the day, when they're in their like clunky suits and they got the mask on, they're like, you'll never get me. I can do this better than you. No, you can't. (laughs) I'm behind this mask. And they're like, clunk, clunk, clunk. And he's like, come after me. It's also even the same with um, any any superhero with their faces covered. I mean, it's like the goofiness of it cannot be lost. It's not lost on me. They're covering their face up like, I'll get you next time. I can't really take it super seriously. But I just I just love the fact that when we're talking about the suit and like the assembly or the disassembly and then just the thing, I just love that we've got like real areas of engineering going on. We've got mechatronics, we've got origami robots, like this is real shit. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when it's on him, as cool as it is with the updates, you can't remove the goofiness altogether. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it is cool. And I remember okay. origami robots because we brought it up a little bit in Big Hero 6 that uh-huh. they use a tiny origami robot to retrieve things stuck inside, you know, kids yes. maybe swallow things. I remember that. It was uh, still in incredibly early stages. Like they were still using fake bodies to test it on. It hadn't gone mm. inside a real person yet. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah I, remember I remember that now. It's very cool. The, um, the... That, that was the, the medical, is it the medical, like, kind of transport... Um, or drugs, yeah. Drug delivery, drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. drug delivery. Yeah, but they're oh. also doing it, like, in terms of, like, so larger size actual, like, just folding mm. outside yeah. robots. Cool. I mean, uh, we love a good folding. Let's, yeah, and we love a good nod back. Wait for a good nod back, Freedom. I'm about to give you the fucking epic nod back. Okay. Let's talk about the Vanco suit. Uh, with his whips. Yeah, his whips. Do, 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 uh, do, 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 do. Whip it. Whip it, go. Into shape. Uh, try to detect it. It's not too late to whip it. Whip it, go. All right, stop. I don't know how much, Sorry. I don't know how far we can go with that before we get in trouble. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so cool. All right, so I was going to talk more. I was going to go into more detail about his suit, but eventually... I looked at it and I decided it's a combination of a few things that we have already broken down in our previous chats. So in Sam's language, Frida, his weapons are an adaptation of the Ghostbusters proton packs using Iron Man's arc reactor to power whips made out of Big Hero 6 slash face-offs style plasma cutters. Oh, plasma cutters. I was racking my brain trying to predict what you're talking about this is why it pays to listen to all of our episodes plasma (laughs) cutters yeah sorry it's powered by the arc reactor it's generating the material using um ghostbusters proton pack without the pack because it's teeny tiny because it's got the iron man reactor and you're getting your plasma cutters from it that's that's my that is my predict that is my theory on vanco's suit and that is all i want to say about it the power it gets is from the proton pack. The whips itself are plasma cutters. I'm with you. I agree. Brilliant callback. Thank you. It was all on purpose. Yeah. 
We planned it. <laughs> I believe you planned it. <laughs> Nothing ever beats okay. my honey and shrunk the kids call back from Dawn of the Dead. So don't even try. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get into the meat of this of this episode of the science. Blood toxicity and replacing yes. the call. Okay. So. A lot of this movie is centered around the damage being done to Stark by the arc core he is using to hold the shrapnel away from his heart. He's using palladium, a rare chemical element from the platinum group metals that is commonly used in catalytic converters. Oh, primer. (laughs) Among other things. And more notably for us, it is a key component of fuel cells. Now, palladium is thought to have low toxicity. However, it may have high toxicity at the cellular, I said cellular, not molecular, level (laughs) when measured on a long time frame. So Iron Man 2 takes place six months after the events of Iron Man. And so we can reasonably take it that he is undergoing some absorption of the palladium due to the close proximity and what is, I presume, limited shielding that is causing some toxicity in his blood. Very helpfully visualized for us by the black veins running from the core. How do you feel about the toxicity so far? Um, uh, Disgusting. Um, I felt like the, the wounds on him were just like fake and I, and they disappeared too quickly. So that bothered Mm. me a little bit. Um, yeah, I just thought it was like awful and scary, but also those numbers seemed awful high, Abby. It's like 45%. Is that like 45% of your blood is metal? Is that, what does that mean? It's huge. Do you know, I don't know, actually. Sorry. I've just realized I never looked at the numbers. Um, That's all right. Because you think about blood alcohol level, it's like yeah. 0.05%. And that's so much. Maybe it's a percentage value of like what is, you know, as in like, it, it's a certain, it's not, it's not the entire toxicity level but it's like within the range of what what we're saying is reasonable enough Mm. um or or think back to captain america where they use percent just sort of oh yeah randomly yeah percent for everything percent (laughs) percent of what doesn't matter it's a number which goes up and a hundred is the most yeah and it just let us know when things were really bad and when things were kind of okay. Yeah. And when things were really bad, he would need to try to counteract the effects a little bit. And he yeah. did that by drinking, like, tar, it looked like. <laughs> oh, the vile <laughs> smoothies. <laughs> Do you have any idea what this could be that he was drinking? Uh, kale? I mean, close. Oh. Well, he was drinking Folate. liquid chlorophyll. Oh, chlorophyll. Yes, he did say that. He did say that. Yeah. So do you know why he would be drinking liquid chlorophyll? Okay. Tell me. So it's to do with a practice called chelation therapy. Now, according to healthline.com, chelation therapy is a method for removing heavy metals such as mercury or lead from blood and is a standard treatment for metal poisoning. Well, what do you know? Right? Now... (laughs) 
How it actually works is by, how it would normally work is by injection of a chelator or a chelating agent, which will circulate through the bloodstream, binding to and collecting the metals, which are then filtered out through the kidneys and released in urine. I can't find any scientific evidence that liquid chlorophyll is an adequate chelator and would be able to bind to palladium, but I can say that it is marketed as having the ability to detoxify your blood, but exactly what they mean by that, I'm not entirely sure. So I think they're basically just saying like, look, liquid chlorophyll can be a chelator. Uh, Chelators can get rid of metal in the blood and palladium is poisoning him by being a metal in his blood, so... Yeah, there we go. Okay. Also, this could be one of those removing toxins from your body thing. Yeah. You know, how people, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Drink this. But it removes the toxins. Maybe it's sort of like a little bit. that, And it is Gwyneth Paltrow I at the end of the day. I do think that's exactly so what, that's the, what it was. Yeah. That's it, exactly it was, what the theory with chlor, liquid chlorophyll is, I think. It was, it was yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow or toting yeah. her goop. <laughs> You know it. That's that's what we don't. That's what I none of it. us realize. Backstage on set, all those, all, all those, all those containers Tony was drinking, they all said "goop" on the packet. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Okay. So it's yeah. So I. But I mean, like, it's not completely accurate science. But I think for the purpose of a made-up superhero, for a made-up superhero movie, I think it works. Because I mean, like, we are talking about real theories in terms of a chelator removing metal from the blood. So I was going to say, like, it's not accurate science, but it's real life inaccurate science. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So the long term solution is to use a non toxic material that can generate the power needed in the core. Unfortunately, he's already tried all known elements that could power the core, and none of them are working. <gasps> palladium lasts the longest before palladium lasts the longest before burning out so he either must accept his fate or do what all good movie geniuses do make a new element and this is where we get a little return to Stark the Engineer problem solver general handyman so handy he can build a home particle accelerator how do you feel about this before I talk I heard about this when the movie came out and I was, uh, you know, at the time studying physics. And so a lot of people came to me and was like, oh, my God, Frida, you would love it. Oh, my God, this bit. And I was like, I'm never seeing it. No. Uh. Until now. I just never saw it because I was like, I don't want to. I don't don't want to do this. And then I was like, firstly, I was like, this isn't so bad. And then it got bad. And then I was like, this is fine, I guess. But. It's the whole congratulations thing, which just oh, congratulations, me. Mr. Shark! You've just synthesized a new element. Yeah, like that one, Jarvis. <gasps> We've never only because, that. like, well, rigor and testing, and same thing we, we just keep talking about. Like that's yeah. all it takes is like one second, and a robot being like, "Well done!" And what about the <laughs> testing and? anything and publication of results and 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 <laughs> citing your work and people doing more stuff and what's this guy in a cave just doing a thing and like that's enough i think that's the, so annoying because it's a superhero movie shut up <laughs> rigor, okay, well, rigor. 
Well, screw the rigor. We're throwing it out the window. Okay. What was he doing? Thanks to Daddy Dearest's old videos, he realizes that the key is in the expo. And uh, like, as in Howard Stark literally hid the structure of a new element in the design for the Stark Expo. Which sounds a bit mad. But before we get into this, let's talk a little bit of discrepancy. Because my understanding is that the new element that is created is vibranium. Which is what Captain America's shield is made out of and conveniently used in this movie to prop up the accelerator at one point. Vibranium. How can Tony be making an element that exists literally in the same room as him? Through the beauty of retconning. Now, for those of you who do not know, retcon means to revise an aspect of fictional work retrospectively, and it is widely used in comic books to introduce information that will impose a different interpretation on an aspect of the story. So, Iron Man 2 was made in 2010 when Tony Stark creates a new element called Vibranium. However, when Captain America was made in 2011, they retconned this aspect of the story, so here's how it goes really. Howard Stark was studying the Tesseract and drafted research notes on how it might be used as a clean source of energy. He theorized an element that could potentially replicate the energy of the Tesseract. But this was not really a theori- uh, this was not really a theoretical element. It actually existed and Howard Stark had access to it because he had access to vibranium. He made Captain America's shield after all. But we know that vibranium is very hard to find outside of Wakanda. Don't worry, we'll come back to it in a later episode. So the only real option for Howard would be to synthesize the element, which he cannot do at the time due to the limitations of technology. So he leaves the structure for vibranium for Tony in the hopes that in the future he might be able to synthesize vibranium, providing a limitless clean energy for the good of mankind. Frida, are you with me so far? I'm with you so far on one just little clarification. Mm-hmm. He's synthesizing it, yeah, not creating it because it exists in Wakanda. Yeah. It's on a mountain. Okay, yes, cool. exactly. Good. But at the time, it seems like it's a new element. Yes. Because he doesn't know that his dad knows what vibranium is and that uh-huh. Captain America's Red shield Con is made out thing. of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So... Given that Tony knows the structure, all he has to do is make it. How do you feel about this? Possible? Not possible? I have no idea. Um, I don't know how to make... uh, I I, I think it's cool that people make molecules like they do it all the time in labs. And I'm mm. like, how do you do it? You you just put it with tweezers? (laughs) Like, I'm amazed. And I think it's so interesting. And I don't understand at all how it works. But people synthesize molecules all the time. Yeah, and they actually do synthesize new elements as well. There Not are, all the time. There are takes... there are synthetic elements that are on the periodic table. There's a bunch on the yeah. bottom. Um, how can we make new elements? Well, all we have to do is increase Tweezers. the number of protons. Oh. <laughs> no. Elements, we need to make them have more protons. How do we do that? Um... Push it you in. need to use high energy particle accelerators. Mm. <laughs> push it, push, push it, it real good in to the overcome the forces. And yeah, um, I'm loving how we're having like there's a lot of like little audio clips going on today. 
We've a very uh... <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the way. Okay, so yeah. that's clear. The only way to overcome the forces, fundamental forces that keep it all together, is by overpowering it with something greater than that. Yeah. And. I'm super pumped about this because it means I got to pull out my uh, master's course collider physics notes well, yeah. for this one. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Come on, show us. When it comes to these types of experiments, there are fixed target experiments and colliding beam experiments. For creating a new element, we're normally looking at a fixed target experiment where you take two lighter elements that would make up the mass of the element you want to create. You hold one fixed and then you bombard it with the accelerated one. It can take weeks and millions of collisions before the two elements will combine, creating a new element, which will then very, very quickly decay. Because in reality, they're super unstable. unstable. (laughs) (laughs) So we while we can make a new element, we probably couldn't make it that it be stable enough to be stored in the way that Tony does it in the movie. Yeah, makes 100% sense, everything that you're saying. Now, in the movie as well, he doesn't use a fixed target approach. He uses a homemade cyclotron to collide two beams to form the new material and then directs that beam into his container. (sighs) Frida, first and foremost, yes, you can make a particle accelerator at home. We already talked about this with Ghostbusters and their backpack cyclotrons. (laughs) We've had, we've had this conversation. In fact, I now, did it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> did you? No. No. It's hyperbole. Okay. Sorry. Oh, all right. Sorry. I'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Not only that, but we actually all used to have particle accelerators in our homes because CRTs, cathode, cathode ray, ray tubes, <gasps> are linear <gasps> particle accelerators. Yes. <laughs> I'm listening to you. These, I'm actually you paying are. attention. <laughs> These are the things that create images on fluorescent screens and so were used in older style TVs and computer screens. But while Tony's homemade cyclotron is possible, he's not done the best job of it in the movie. So let's talk homemade accelerator and what you would need to do this. <laughs> magnets. First off, well, yeah, we'll get to the magnets. Let's okay. start with the beam tube. He's got the, the tube. beam tube. That's cool. He's got his tube. It's fine. But with an ultra high vacuum system. Yes. Now, in order tube. for this to work, he needs to remove all the air and the other gases from his beam tube. And it takes a while and a few stages of pumping to create an ultra high vacuum system. Now, I feel like we can give him the benefit of the doubt here and assume that they chose not to show us Tony sitting around watching gauges drop for hours while vacuum pumping his beam tubes down. So... Let's let's assume he skipped that part and we started with the vacuum system. The next thing you need is your charged particles to create your particle beam. Now, this is what we like would be our projectile element, I guess. And again, that's fine. We can take it that that's there and that's a thing. We know that they could do it. We know we can do it with the homemade cyclotrons. We know we can make a proton beam. That's fine. But as you mentioned, Rita, a minute ago, magnets. You need magnets to bend the beam. And this is how you get your high velocities in a cyclotron. And he would need pretty big magnets, but there's very little in the scene to show the presence of any sort of a magnetic coil or a permanent magnet anywhere. 
So I don't really know how he's getting a trajectory in his in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like totally. But nobody knows that. We yeah. know that because we've been yeah. told. And I mean, you haven't been told. I, you don't. Yeah, we can. It doesn't just go around in a circle just because you give it a path. We can forgive it. We can forgive it because, like, it just wouldn't look as cool. Maybe if there was a bunch of magnets all around the place, <laughs> well, they could have made it look cool. They go I don't inside. Know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I guess it's I fine. didn't even care about all that. It wasn't like yeah. that bothered me because I was like, sure, wait, there's okay. Yeah. There's one more thing. There's I'm sure So there's there two is. there's two more things. There's two more things yeah. that you need. Now, you also need something called RF cavities, which are called they are radio frequency cavities. Sorry, radio frequency cavities. Now, these are chambers that have an electromagnetic field allowing the field to oscillate at a particular frequency. And this is what causes a buildup of the electromagnetic field in the cavity. And then when the charged particles travel through, they're accelerated forward by the force of the electromagnetic field. But again, he could have the RF cavities off to the side. They don't have to be visible to us. We don't know. We can't see everything that's going on in there. So maybe there's some RF cavities around there. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is that we need some serious, serious power. And I've seen a couple of things when I was looking into this. People are complaining about this going, oh, his power cord's not going to work. And this is too much and this, that. And I'm like, he has the arc reactor. Are you fucking insane? If anyone has power, Tony has power. There's to power a suit for a while i guess we could argue yeah but he's got a bunch of spares oh yeah yeah he has the technology to build the arc reactors so we can power he safely say that he has the ability to to give a good energy source Mm -hmm. to be able to power his particle accelerator he gives good energy source he gives good energy source Okay, but it's so far it's plausible, right? Yeah. So what I don't mean, you like about it? What bothers you? I think that whole I I like the scenes where he makes and tinkers. It's the point. It's mm. the like, and then this beam, and then it touches the thing, and I did it. It's just that. Yeah. I love when well, he's tinkering and it's kind of a mess. Yeah. I love when he has to prop things up, but that's fun. I, I, I just, it's when it's like, yeah, yeah. I agree what was with the you point of all of that. Th- this is where we go to the Hollywood science part of it. And that's where, first of all, you wouldn't want to stand in the room with an accelerator like this due to the radiation that would be admitted. So yeah, no, but the beams, oh my, my, the beams. Now, my understanding is that the creation of new elements requires a fixed target experiment rather than a colliding one, as it takes so long for the reaction to take place. But if we take it that for visual effect, they decided to use colliding beams, that's okay, fine, whatever. But now explain to me how you can violate the laws of collider physics and have that beam, A, be a focused particle beam using a wrench, and B, exit the vacuum system and not instantly be destroyed discuss but also that it exits at like a perpendicular angle like it just exits <laughs> it, it turns 90 degrees i have to say that 
this is not the way beams exit a, a, a cyclotron. You have magnets which bend it, as you know, but you have workstations that allows it to exit at a tangent to the path because these things travel in a straight line. You can't just turn abruptly. You go straight. And so it always exits at a tangent. If he had had his little workstation or beam light, and it has to be in a beam line for fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. Sorry, my beam light. But he, if he was at a different vantage point in the room where it was exiting at a tangent down its own place. Yeah. And only touching the thing within its housed environment and you're just getting the results, fine. But yeah, the fact that it escaped mysteriously from its path, like, okay, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, and then it's, it's like blue. And, uh, I, yeah, it changed color. <laughs> what color was it by the time it hit the thing? I did also read somewhere someone said like how like, oh, you can't use lasers to do that. And it was like, well, obviously it's not lasers. It's obviously mm. particle beams, but they've just given them bright colors to make them look like lasers because that's how we understand what's happening in Hollywood science. Yeah, make but it, it still like should undergo the same properties of any sort of traveling yeah. electromagnetic field, which is it travels in a certain way under certain <laughs> physics. Even it, it, Whether it's beams, we know beams have the same parts as sort of electromagnetic radiation. We know it was ready. It's been yeah. done. Like particle packets, they travel in the same sort of, wave function and they that's the same principles so that bit was dumb but also when it hit the thing and and when it achieved the stability it obviously was like stability yeah and and the harm of it it's like we've just mentioned a few minutes ago like it wouldn't be stable it reminds me of the primer episode with the stability like the the, when it when it achieved stability and you had that quiet hum and then it sort of goes down and you know that was a bit more engineering like a magical thing yeah. happened but they tried to at least conform to some sort of physical reality where it would then <laughs> deplete you know like fuck Ugh. i know i love it I if just they're gonna be magical that's I... my problem if they're gonna yeah. just make it magic why are we bothering with his tinkering engineering scenes that's the thing but that because it has to Iron be Man. because the, i think this is the problem I th- and i think this is something that maybe maybe kind of touches on on what the issue would be for you and the issue that i know friends of mine have with just not finding marvel movies interesting yes is because that's the problem it's yes. not entirely fantasy but it's not reality it's it's a somewhere in between world where we have to like suspend some of our disbelief but maintain some of as well yeah. like you know it's like the, it's a weird little mix where mm. we want to believe that this exists within our world within the realm of our of the physics of our world but at the same time there has to be ax- aspects to it that are complete fantasy vibranium mm. has to be fantasy like you know the hulk getting powers has to be fantasy the you know so many other it, it, aspects to it have to have that yes it is side I, I, to I, it yes and i would say like it all of that to me it doesn't deserve my analysis that's what i mean like yeah. don't you like we we've done other movies where you think about how something was done and there's such a payoff because it earns us thinking about it i don't think these movies 
deserve to be thought about to the degree that people are thinking about it because it doesn't make sense and they don't care at the end of the day they make it magic and so the fact that people that is pisses me off about it the fact that there's a fandom where people try to figure out how can vibranium really do it it's like it doesn't deserve it because it's it uh, hold on though hold on because to me it does because what that does is it makes people engage it makes people engage in, in something that they find interesting. It makes people want to learn. It makes people want to go and try to understand something and figure something out. And I've and I've said it before about what the like the origination of, of these comics and the fact like back in the day the first ones were called educational comics. It was EC and Yeah. Like that was the point. It was to it was to find a way to engage people with science and to understand scientific principles. And, and that's what they do. But in order to make it an interesting and fun kind of different aspect and to make it a little bit fantastical, you have to introduce things that are outside the realm of our possibility. But it is interesting then to see things like where you might have looked at Captain America as being outside of the realm of our possibility. But now we know that epigenetic modification is a thing that can be done and we could, in theory, or, or we can technically create a Captain America. You and I do because we're on a mission for science. Yeah. But, but that's what I mean. mean I just that think that it's movie, fun. I think it's. But it's it fun. is fun. Just because the original comics had a certain thing, it doesn't mean that now that is carried through. But the thing is, like, yes, it can project your engine point where you think about something different, but it doesn't lead to a satisfying point within the context of the movie where it all makes sense, is my point. Like, you don't have the payoff because at the end of the day, no matter how much your logic is sort of guiding you towards a sort of scientific conclusion, the movie doesn't match up with that. And you always have to be like, whatever, like, so you're right. It's like they, they care, but not, not enough. And, and then it comes back to our whole original mission. But, it, but this it podcast. Can't it's like either anymore. explain it all so that it, it actually works or just let us have the fantasy of it. No, but but that's the thing. They can explain it all. So they do give us the fantasy. They explain some of it and then they give us the fantasy side of it. If they take away the fantasy side of it, we don't have the superheroes and what's the point yeah. of the movie. Right, 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 right. If they try to make the entire thing fantasy, yeah. then it doesn't exist within our world. So again, what's the point in trying to give us a, a movie that is a replication of our world, but with a superhero in it that yeah. is going to save us from evil? Like it's yeah, the point is that you get believe... to live in the world with the superhero yes, and okay. believe it could be a part of your world. It elevates the world in which we are currently living in to, yeah. to say, wow, like imagine if it was just as we are with all the problems that you have. And then there was this extra magic. That's the whole essence of superhero movies. It's on top of the like our shitty yeah. lives is this thing which makes elevates everything and makes it better. And that's arguing for the entire genre. Doesn't necessarily mean... Yeah that it works for Iron Man because it does right. it is annoying it annoys it annoys okay. me well annoying. I I kind of came down at the end of just kind of going like well the 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 kind of science aspect of the movie it's not entirely correct but it's also not totally batshit science and so I was like that's yeah that's fun at least it's a particle accelerator like the fact that there's the yeah. nod to that which you go particle accelerator but the same person that says particle accelerator also goes are you shitting me five minutes later <laughs> so yeah fair fair point but also still just fun <laughs> yeah and that's that's the science of iron man 2 yeah it's a good movie because <laughs> it was of going really well <laughs> no, I, I think that if, because it has that co- particular content that it's a good movie for this podcast 
Yeah. Um, and hopefully others will agree and, and have listened. Yes. Well, I did put out a you thing a recently job. where I was like, what kind of movies do people want us to see? And one of the few responses I did receive was uh, keep doing Marvel. So I was like, justified. I, <laughs> I agree. Okay, so let's move into our what the fuck moment. Can't Playing wait. some Muzak. What the fuck? What the What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Freda, what the fuck? Is it not the beams? <laughs> no, here's my what the fuck. Okay. <clears throat> I have to get my speech. Okay. She's got a speech. Oh, Jesus. Is my what the fuck? Where did she get a watermelon from? Where did she get a watermelon from? Where was the watermelon from? Oh! At the the party. party. At the party where he's like, give me stuff to shoot. And she's like, here, an entire watermelon. What? (laughs) Also, just the shittiness of that party. He was like, I am going to die. I'm just partying. And it cuts to the shittiest party I've ever seen before, where it's literally just like women standing around and heels being like, whoa, I'm hot. And I just think, is that what rich people in California do? I've thrown better parties. I've thrown better parties than that. The party was so bad. But this bit, Goldstein, give me a fat beat. No words. No words. That was so funny. The shitty bummies for DJ being like, Tupac, California love. Okay. A lot has happened since Tupac. A lot has happened. The electronic music scene, dance music, deep house, it has come very far. Why are they still at this California mansion standing around? Because they can't actually move because the heels are so narrow. So they sort of have to like do this like white girl kind of like a dance on the spot where you can't, you move your feet only like mildly. And then you just sort of like go, woo, woo, woo. And it's two pack and the guy's called Goldstein and there's fucking watermelon. And I just thought this is the thing that you do when you think you're going to die. Go again, Burning Man, go to Burning Man. Go do well, Elizabeth Holmes went to Bernie Man after the, all the shit went down. So fuck Bernie Man. But anyway, oh, the whole thing—it's true. She did. She went. Oh my god. Anyway, why is there a watermelon? That's my what the fuck. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Thank you, Goldstein. Give me a fat beat. Oh my god. Stop. <laughs> do you know what? I can't. I can't say. I get. There's no point in me following up on that. Just. <laughs> It was so that funny. Was, oh that my was God. beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. The worst party. Go. Okay. My what the fuck? The bird. The bird. Oh, cockatoo. So, so much of. And the thing is, I just. And I know it's not a complicated thing to get, but like all I kept doing every time I watch this movie, when he starts asking for his bird, I feel like Hammer. I feel like, what the fuck is with you and this bird? What is this bird? Where is this bird? What is this connection with this fucking bird? Why do you care? What What is happening? It was stupid. <laughs> I want my bird. I have to say that was a little bit of a kind of... Com- it was just I like just... A, trying a bit too hard to be comical. Yeah, it was... Uh, and also cockatoos no. can I just say between me and you they suck I just like wow do people think this is exotic because in this fucking country let me tell you it ain't um, alright final verdict okay 
<laughs> did the movie pass the Sam's test? No. No, it didn't. I appreciate that they're trying to do something with Pepper Potts, but then the awkward mm. kiss. I just don't think they had much chemistry. Um, but it was funny. Yeah. It was funny. Don We've Cheadle not made it there. We've not made like, it yet. That was disgusting. <laughs> we're, we're moving. We're moving forward, but we haven't made it there yet. Okay. Uh, did it pass? Here comes the science. No. I like that they try to do something that's sciencey, but then they give up. I disagree. Oh, I think okay. there's so much science that's based on real science and connected to real science in this movie. I think they absolutely do. Okay, fine. I can what's, see that. What's your final <coughs> verdict? It definitely needs a three plus. I reckon. And I think I'll do 3.3. 3. Okay. All yeah. right. That's just fine. because I, I, I recognize what you've just said. And I think that it's fun. I'm giving it four <gasps> particle accelerators. Wow. Yeah. And okay. it's not even and it's not even anywhere near my favorite Marvel movie. So <laughs> okay. ready for my next one. But yeah. Okay. Die. That's it. All right. I'm very excited about this. Frida. What is the next movie? Bit of history. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was, the first film Frida ever walked out of. I've walked out of uh, one film in my life and it was, and I want to do it because I never went back in. I walked out of the movie and that movie was, drum roll please, The Nutty Professor 2, The <gasps> Cops. <laughs> yes, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing The Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. We're skipping the original. We're going straight to the sequel. I walked out. I've always told people the movie Frida's walked out on was Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. It's time. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a bit of Frida lore. Oh Stop laughing. Stop laughing right now. Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. I'm laughing out of, like, awkward, traumatic. It's a professor. <laughs> I can't believe It's this. very sciencey. I'm going to die having to watch this oh my god i walked out now you have to watch it okay okay i hate you a little bit but okay <laughs> well this is gonna be amazing see you then guys this is going to be hilarious oh no my one's god. gonna watch it with us just so you know <laughs> maybe this is just gonna be or... just for my sister okay okay, <laughs> okay go Okay. All right. So, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be terrible. I love it. <laughs> we uh, haven't had a truly awful movie in a while, I think. <laughs> I'm hoping that it will be better. Well, I've I'm never hoping seen that I'll appreciate it, Eddie Murphy's so... genius. Oh, I don't think I ever have, really. I, I definitely uh, like to stand up comedy and there's certain movies of his that I really liked, but I don't remember liking The Naughty Professor. So we'll see. Okay. All right. So next movie is The Naughty Professor 2. The Clumps. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, so next week also, just to get you in the holiday spirit, we have uh, Shaun of the Dead. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we made such a fanfare out of our holiday episode last year and then we totally forgot the holidays existed this year. I know. But we accidentally put short of the dead. 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so if you'd like to join us in two weeks' time, please do. <laughs> and yeah, so if you want to get in touch, contact us on scienceofthemovies@gmail.com. Send us your recommendations or you know any things you'd like us to cover. Uh, catch us on Instagram at Science of the Movies and if you could please rate us that would be lovely or subscribe on whatever your chosen player is thank you very much goodbye uh.